Hey, hey, hey. Did you know I wrote a book? It's called The Value Method, Five Steps to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets and small assignments at the end of each chapter. You're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. What's going on, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and our special guest today is Carolee Garrison. Carolee, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. So I don't want to butcher your bio. I know you sent it to me. But I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm a podcast host with the Seeking Sunshine podcast. And I'm a self-care coach for burnt-out moms, which I decided to go into because I actually have three special needs kids. And my husband has been disabled for the last decade. So my life's a little bit insane. Wow. So you have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So let's start at the very, let's start at the very beginning. Okay. You and your husband, you've been married for 14 years. Mm-hmm. How did that start? Oh boy. So um, I went to college. <laughs> I know it's, a, it's all crazy, right? I went to college at 18 mm-hmm. and um, I met and married my husband in seven weeks in my first semester of college at 18 and a half. Um, we, we met in October and we got married in November and I just, I just, I just knew, you know, I, on our first date, it just all like clicked into place and I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah. Uh, then we got married in December (laughs) (laughs) or I'm sorry. We got married at the end of November, having met at the beginning of October. The, the, Wow. Yeah. We met October 6th, got married November. Oh my gosh. I'm going to forget our anniversary. November 29th. Wow. That's so I've interviewed a lot of people. That is a first. Yeah. That is a first. (laughs) Um, And what has navigating the past 14 um, years with your husband, what has that been like? Oh, it's certainly been a roller coaster Uh, within our, let's see, we had our first child about a year and a half after we got married. Um, but through that whole process, my husband, like I said, he's been disabled for about a decade. His disability is a genetic defect and it sort of slowly got worse and worse and worse. So mm-hmm. as I look back to the beginning of our marriage, I can see kind of signs of it. Uh, some of his, there's a huge list of diagnoses, a lot of mental health, uh, depression, anxiety, PTSD, uh, a lot of like chronic back pain and he's got um, bulgy discs and stuff like that Um, but he has this thing called familial episodic ataxia that causes him to collapse when he is overstressed and so at the very 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 beginning before it was really fully developed it looked like and which which was definitely also because of the ptsd but it looked like panic attacks when Mm. he was working and he um, he worked at a grocery store and was the only male on the cashier on the front end. And so he was kind of the bouncer who had to kick all the people out of the store who were, yeah. you know, doing things they shouldn't be doing. Um, and that would just do him in and he'd be curling. He'd curl up in a ball and just like panic and cry and, and be completely unfunctional. And that was at the very, very beginning of our marriage. And we did not understand like what that would lead to. Yeah, that's, that's, that has to, that seems like a very intense thing to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, what signs did you, do you pick up now that, uh, that kind of could have triggered so many then? Yeah. So, so many. I mean, he had a lot of childhood kind of trauma that contributed mm-hmm. to it as well as like the genetic defect and, and, he has recently, so all three of our kids are on the autism spectrum and he's coming to realize that he's also on the autism spectrum. And so that definitely affected like the way he perceived the world around him mm-hmm. and the way that he was treated in turn, because, you know, in the nineties, it was like, that's not a real thing. Yeah. Like ADHD, that's not real. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not. And so a lot of those kids who were struggling really just got ignored and like, you know, we're just going to spank it out of you and we're just going to, mm-hmm. you know, find other ways to cope. And, you know, that doesn't really work yeah. for people who are really, really struggling. And so he would, you know, he did half of his college career before he was diagnosed with ADHD and, and got on medication for that. And when he first was able to get on medication for that, it was like a whole new world opened. Yeah. He was like, I cannot believe I ever did college without this. It felt impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and how did you, now we spoke a lot about your husband. How did you navigate this process? And what was this journey like for Carolee? Yeah, it was a growth journey for sure. I mean, I was 18 and a half when I got married. I was so young and naive and, you know, you just have to learn and grow as your life progresses and then not kick yourself for not having known better, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like we fought, I think we fought for 10 years. (laughs) We were not, we were not on the same page until we'd been married for 10 years, but both of us had had, our parents are still together, um, but they fight. And so we knew that that was part of life and part of marriage. So we're going to disagree and then you're just going to going because that's what you do. That's what mm-hmm. we were taught from our parents. And so we'd fight, we'd had, we had some, I mean, we had some times where we really almost didn't make it. Um, but because I had that really strong foundation of like, I just knew that it was kind of bigger than myself, mm-hmm. that it was, that it was, I'm definitely really just <laughs> very, very much. Um, and I, and I really, really felt so, so strong that like, this wasn't really my idea. This was God's idea. Yeah. And so like putting it back in his hands and being like, all right, I'm going to trust you. And and the answer was like, not yet, not yet. Give me, cause, cause my husband was always trying to get better because, so my favorite quote comes from frozen and it is people make bad choices when they're mad or scared or stressed. Well, with a decade of you know, a variety of disabilities. Um, my husband was not always, you know, acting as his best self. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had lots of times where it was like, do I continue to endure this or do I move on? And through lots of prayer, it was, you know, just, just hold on a little longer. And what was really helpful was that my husband was always trying to do better. Mm -hmm. And also we had three kids that, you know, desperately needed their dad. And because they all struggle in very similar ways to how he struggles. So that definitely played a factor, played a part in that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's amazing that you were able to, to navigate that. Um, like you said, being married at such a young age and you just knowing, so knowing that, you know, giving it to a higher power and knowing that you're going to get through it. Um, sometimes it's a little shaky, I must admit, you know, but oh, it's so true. How did uh what is it like now showing up for your children? It's still hard. I could tell you that the worst struggles we ever had were when my husband and I were on different sides of the page, right? Mm-hmm. When we when our relationship was at it were its worst, it made everything else that we navigated harder to deal with. I mean, we had um, our youngest is eight now. He almost died when he was born. And that was like right at the beginning of my husband's like onset of like really, really being unable to function was right about that same time. And that near death experience really triggered my husband's PTSD that was already existent, but just because he saw, you know, our son kind of lifeless being wheeled to the NICU and yeah. um, that whole played out. That was a really <laughs> tough one. And then we also had, um, we have a severely autistic nonverbal, uh, well, semi-verbal now son, uh, Joshua, and he uh, almost died when he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes four years ago. And that was another like really, really crazy experience. But each of those was easier to navigate when my husband and I were on the same page. Like if we, like we've been through like really hell and back, <laughs> it's been quite an insane journey. But if we could be united it made all the difference. It made everything more bearable. Absolutely. And what are some of the ways that you've learned to, na- to not navigate, to communicate with each other 
and how were you able to get on those same pages? Yeah, uh, I love what Brene Brown taught us all about, like, what story are you telling yourself? Because mm. that makes a huge, huge difference in communication. It's like, here's how I'm understanding what you're saying. And, oh, it turns out it's entirely different from what you were intending to communicate. Like, actually, yesterday, so we're both singers, and we were singing uh, at a little restaurant, and he started elbowing me in the middle of a song. And my interpretation of that was he was telling me to shut up and stop singing. And I was getting really offended right there in that moment. And he's going, and then we talked about it. He was like, oh, I just wanted you to scroll my phone up. I needed your help to scroll my phone up. And I was trying to like nudge you and get you to scroll my phone up for me because I couldn't see my notes. And I was like, oh, that's not even at all, you know, how I took that. And since Mm -hmm. we are able to sit there and go, oh, here's what, here's how my my perception you know, altered how you intended your words to come across. Yeah. Like that makes such a big difference. Plus just knowing each other really, really well. Mm, that, that is, is that key. is yeah. That is key. Uh to understand and learn each other's triggers. Yeah. And what, and what really and what sets you off and also what motivates you, what drives you. Um, I believe in a partnership and a relationship you have to really, really take the time to get to know the other person so it can run. And now there's going to be bumps. We all know that, right? There's going to be bumps down the road and and, um, speed bumps and all that good stuff. And, you know, roads are crazy right here. So, (laughs) but learning how to sit in that car with their other person and navigate those bumps together. Yeah. 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 And it's like, People make bad choices when they're mad or scared or stressed. And so it's like noticing that like when somebody is talking to you and they say something that's offending you, usually it has to do with themselves. Like if they're saying something that's like overtly offensive, it's because they aren't taking care of themselves. Like they're hungry or they need to pee or they need to get some more sleep or like they need something like it's usually about them. So taking offense is usually a silly thing to do again I did it yesterday so we all we're human but then also like people make bad choices when they're mad or scared or stressed so do I exactly. and so when when I'm starting to get upset going well wait a minute have I done it have I done a self-check today did I get enough sleep last night? Have I not peed for four hours because I was doing something for everyone else, not taking any time to just breathe and like be me? <laughs> Have I taken care of me first or am I reacting out of oh, being overstressed out because I didn't take time for me, which happens a lot. It happens. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Am I taking care of me first? I think that's so important even when it comes to just life in general, um, being a be, being a parent, uh, being a guardian, whatever that looks like, if you're not good for you, you can't show up for your children. You can't show up for your job. You can't show show up for the commitments you've you have you've made. So pouring into uh, yourself first. Make sure you use the potty. You know, <laughs> make sure you drink in your right. Water. Well, and I can say that. With- <laughs> all the time because I go to the bathroom and I start doing laundry because my washer and dryer are in my bathroom so I'll be like oh I need to pee and then I walk into the bathroom and I'm like oh no the washing machine needs to be changed and I need to start the dryer I need to start a new load and then I get into all these things and then I don't actually pee and like I just get oh this has to get put away and this has to get done and then I like forget to take care of my actual need that I went in there for yeah the reason you went in there in the first place and then you find yourself back out the bathroom you're doing yeah. other things and then you're like oh yeah oh yeah I you walk into the refrigerator when you open a refrigerator yeah. and you forget <laughs> what it was yeah. you were going in there for yeah oh. well and it's so I mean I like I said I'm a self-care coach because it's so so important it's like we we don't realize because we've been taught our whole lives that like caring for yourself, loving yourself. Isn't that just selfish? And it's like, actually you show up so much worse in the world. If you are not like, whole. if you're not cared for first and the only person's responsibility that is, is yours. Yep. 
Like, but you, you might notice that like you're snippy, like I'm snippy with my kids. If I haven't been caring for myself, like we'll be grocery shopping and I'm like ready to scream and yell at them because their behavior is so bad. And then I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. My blood sugar is really low. I really need to eat something. Like I haven't eaten in a while or sat down even once today. Like no wonder I'm so upset with them. Maybe it's a little bit less about their behavior and a little bit more about how I need to take care of me first. Mm, I love that you have that self-awareness. It takes Where did a lot that of come from? I was going to say, it, it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a lifelong journey, but once you start, you know where you, where you start and you navigate it from there. So where did yeah. it start for you? Where did it start? Um, I think it tends to start when you're just really feeling at your worst, mm. right? When you're feeling like nothing is working out. Um, I'm feeling really depressed. I'm feeling really hopeless. And it's like, how do I change this? How do I change this feeling in myself? Because this feeling sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I can continue to blame the world around me. Uh, like, like I'm a singer songwriter. And as a mom of three special needs kids, it's been like, nope, that's impossible. Find a new dream. <laughs> Like that's how I have felt for so long. Like I tried to go do music and then my kids would, something else would happen and they'd get harder and they'd get a new diagnosis. And like, you know, it just got harder. And it was like, you know, at what point do I just give up on this dream? Because obviously like God's telling me this is not for you. And then somebody told me that if you have a desire for it, that desire was given to you by God. And it's meant for you. And so I started looking into like, how do I change me when I can't change my circumstances? You know, how do I find a way to do what lights me up, even as the world seems to tell me it's impossible? Yeah. <laughs> or like, that's what I'm that. getting from the world. And it, it turns out, you know, it's not impossible. Like I've been, I'm working on my album, even if it's only like, 20 minutes a day, like you do what you can, right? Yeah. Um, but finding a way to do what lights you up is a humongous part of self-care. And you can only get there as you go, okay, well, first, what lights me? Like you have to go you have to do some introspective work. Mm. What lights me up? What makes me feel energetic? You know, and then you have to look at, well, what's draining me? And if I can't get rid of what's draining me, which a lot of times that's my kids. And <laughs> that's <laughs> totally like a social thought to be like, my kids drain me. But you know what? I'm going to say it because it's the really truth. It's the oh, truth. <laughs> my kids drain me. And so I have to balance out how much they drain me with doing something I love. Like, you know, you've, you've got to find a way to refuel your battery to put more gas in your in your engine. <laughs> and it starts with introspection of like recognizing here's the things that light me up. Here's the things that make me feel at peace and like choosing to go towards those things more and focus less on the things you don't love. Yeah. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. Yeah, I love that. That entire peace um was just mm, that was chef's kiss because <laughs> because you said so much that I hope it did not go over anybody's head I'm trying to I'm trying to go back to to where you you began um oh, it was well, I started with I started with music Started and with- like finding what lights you up because yep. music's not what lights everyone up, but it certainly is what lights me up. And like, I had just taken it on myself that like, I should give up on this. It's impossible. And I felt like I had sign after sign after sign. Like we had the- 2018 was really 
one of our worst years ever right before the pandemic so then the pandemic hit and I was like this is easy this is nothing. Like, <laughs> like what um and so one of the things that happened in 2018 so we had just moved we moved back to Utah after a, a decade of being away so that we could finish our degrees so I had started my degree in 2008 right when I got married and then I we came back back in 2018 to finish our degrees um and in 2008 I had auditioned for the school of music for opera because I'd been studying opera for a really long time and I didn't get in and then we came back a decade later and I was like all right I'm gonna audition again and this is gonna be it and this is why we're here and this is why everything is happening and so we moved here in like August and then my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in October while both my husband and I were full-time students in college and all three of our kids were at different schools two of them had diagnoses at the time of autism and one was high functioning one was severe and then my youngest I didn't have any words for it but he was so so hard and like nothing made any sense and nobody would pay any attention I was like you don't understand how hard he is he now has lots of diagnoses um he used to have an ODD diagnosis which is um oppositional defiance disorder which was turned into something called PDA pathological demand avoidance just by the name (laughs) you can see that that sounds intense so hard um so we had both my husband and I at different schools all three kids at different schools Joshua almost died in the middle of October from type 1 diabetes um I auditioned for the school of music in December um our landlord showed up that we didn't we'd never met him before showed up a week before Christmas and pointed his gun in my husband's face uh and then I had my second round of auditions in like February and then I found out in March that I just barely didn't make it (laughs) into the school of music and it was like okay here's your sign like time to give up on music time to like like obviously this isn't meant for you and so for months and months I like didn't sing because I couldn't without just crying and crying because it was so so painful and I was just like because at the time I was like you know February hit and I did my audition and it was so good and I was like okay this is why we've been through hell the last six months. This is why it's been so, so hard. It's because it was leading up to this huge reward of me getting what I wanted. Yeah. And then I didn't. And then we had to move a couple months later because we moved as soon as we could after the landlord thing. And yeah, it was in the end, like I turned to songwriting, which I never would have done if I had been in opera. And opera is all about being on stage every night and being at rehearsals every night. And I could never have done that with my kids. But I now I have a recording studio in my home now and I record my own music from home and I don't have to go anywhere. And (laughs) like it's like, oh, like it's we we say we want like my motto for this year that I had to come up with was um the answer is trust God. And it's like, sometimes those redirections that are so, so painful Mm. are just putting us on the right path. And when you're in that moment, it's like, this seems impossible, but actually it's like amazing. Yeah. That reward is, it was something you wanted is not something that was ever fully meant for you. Yeah. In a sense. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. So well, to- and how much I've grown because I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah, I, and I was that was that was that was the segue into gosh, what did that look like? How did you 2018, if you had to describe it in two words, what would they be? Like utter hell. Like it was so bad. It was, it was so bad. Um hey what were the what was the one biggest lesson that 2018 taught you Ooh, trust god and if you want to hear like so i have my whole story about like like i was trying to do opera and like really and i was like so there for it and i was like this is what i meant to do and then it and then that pivot came and it was like oh my gosh exploring songwriting again which I hadn't done since I was in middle school like and how much joy that brings me to write music now which I never would have done like that's a huge like oh my gosh just trust God but I have a 
really incredible story from that time. If we have a second to share it. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, absolutely. Joshua uh, that year was seven years old and he was um, completely severely autistic, completely nonverbal, didn't have a single word that meant anything. He didn't have an uh, uh, uh that like meant something. He just screamed like he had nothing. And we had been through years and years and years and years and years of like four hours a day of therapy after school, like so much intensive therapy. And he was making zero progress. Um, he had, he'd been pee potty trained for a few years, but we couldn't get him to poop in the potty because he wouldn't eat. He was actually really severely underweight for years and years. And we had tried meds and he had an allergic reaction and it was a whole thing. Uh, and my family, like my, my, you know, three-year-old and my eight-year-old, my oldest and youngest, we were all four of us were just praying for like two years. We prayed every night that Joshua would be able to talk mm -hmm. and somewhere around uh, just before October, uh, when all of it went down, I, I actually did like a Facebook live. So I have like a whole memory of this <laughs> of like, I was like, I give up, I give up on him talking. I can't keep hoping for this. Like I can't do it. It's killing my poor mama heart to keep holding out hope that he's going to talk someday. I just have to accept where he's at and love him there because I cannot keep holding out this hope. It is killing me. <laughs> So then uh, the first weekend of October comes around and like everything was normal and crazy. And um, he woke up, Joshua woke up on a Saturday morning and all of a sudden he looked like death. Like he looked so sick. And this is my kid who was bouncing off the walls. Like he was on, he was, I can't remember which ADHD med he was on. It might've been Adderall. It might've been a different one. We've been through so many. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was like just to like bring him down so that he was mostly bouncing off the walls and not just like exploding all the time like the yeah. energy that he had just did not quit uh and he got up that morning and he looked like he had just like he was already overweight but all of a sudden he looked like he had just lost a ton of weight overnight mm. and I was like how did I not see this how did I not notice this before and I even asked his teachers uh, and they were like no that happened overnight we saw him yesterday he did not look like that and his eyes were sunken in and he walked out in his underwear so he had this big thigh gap and you could see all of his ribs and I was like what like how what happened to my child he looks yeah. like a different person and he spent the weekend curled up on a ball on the floor he puked a little bit but it was like not a ton and and my logical mind was like He's just sick. Like there's no symptoms here that are like, take him to the doctor. It's just a sick kid. Give him a few days. He'll get better. But my mommy brain was like blaring alarms. Like something's really wrong here. Mm -hmm. He let me, he let me hold him. He let me cuddle him. He never would let me do that ever. Mm -hmm. He would never let me touch him before. And now he was letting me hold him and snuggle him. And he didn't need his meds because he just slept all day. Uh, and so that was Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday, I was like, no, we're going to the pediatrician. And I had to carry him into the pediatrician's office because he was too weak to walk uh -oh. and took him in there. And she, he laid on the floor, curled up in a ball and she didn't even look at him. She was like, he's just, he's just a sick kid. Like, just give him a couple of days. He'll be better. Like, and I'm going, no, I've, we've been through loads exactly. of illnesses. I've got three kids. We've been yeah. through this. This is not the same. And she was like, well, I guess we could try to do blood work, but he has autism. So that's going to be really hard. So we should not. And I was like, what? what? So she was like, just come back. And if it's still bad in a few days, we can try to do the blood work, but just give it a few more days. And so I carried him back to the car and we went home. Um, and like I said, my husband and I were both in school full time and three kids at three different schools. So we were sort of trading off of like who's missing class to stay home with the sick kid. So my husband was home with him and I was in class and he texted me a picture Wednesday morning of Joshua. And like, to this day, my husband cannot look at that picture without sobbing. Uh -uh. He was laying in a bed, which he hasn't laid in a bed since he couldn't get out of his crib before he was one. Like he will not sleep in a bed. Yeah. <laughs> laying in a bed. He somehow looked like he had lost more weight. His skin was kind of turning gray. He just, he somehow looked drastically worse. And I looked at that picture and I was like, no, I am done sitting here watching my kid die in front of my eyes. Like 
I'm done with this. And so I took him to the ER and they knew immediately. They took one look at him and they were like, we need to check his blood sugar right now. And don't get me wrong. I think it took four different teams and like a five different adult men holding my kid who could not walk himself into the office. I had to carry him in fought like you would not believe to keep from getting that little prick of blood from his yeah. finger. <laughs> like it was crazy. <laughs> um, and soon like they got, it took him like 45 minutes to one drop of blood from his finger because he was so dehydrated yeah um and and that was it his blood sugar was through the roof and they're like this is type 1 diabetes they sent us to a bigger hospital um and i mean it was a i was in so much shock that like they admitted us to the hospital and i'm like you don't understand guys any moment now he's gonna just come back and he is gonna demolish this hospital he's gonna change all the passwords on all the computers he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna shut your internet off like you have no idea what this is capable of um but so they were really amazing and like had someone stand at the door to make sure he didn't run away so that i could sleep uh and he continued to sleep for another three days and he they taught me all of the ins and outs of type 1 diabetes which was extremely overwhelming <laughs> someone yeah. who was already in such a state of like shock and like what is happening and he was in the hospital for three days um he came out friday monday morning he went back to school and pooped in the potty for the first time in his life wow. and within a month he could say all of his colors and his speech has absolutely skyrocketed from that moment on and now one of my biggest struggles is that he never shuts up <laughs> we are here four years later and he never stops talking and don't get me wrong he he has apraxia of speech so he's hard to understand and he really just perseverates on like like right now it's the calendar and he wants grandma and grandpa to come and I'm like okay but they live like 12 plus hours away like they <laughs> can't be here tomorrow dude they can't just like like and so he gets really really caught up um but he tells jokes um like moth popsicle and then he laughs really loud um all of his latest jokes uh have a certain male anatomy in them makes um, sense he's about he that age that. right i'm like he's he's 11 he learned that word when we were talking about our dog and i totally regret that um but yeah that's his new joke that he pairs that word with everything every person <laughs> every object and he wants you to laugh really big and we're trying really hard to ignore it but yeah he talks non-stop and it's like this humongous insane miracle that yeah we're still battling with type 1 diabetes i mean that's a lifelong yeah thing but like now he can talk and like just the whole the thing i learned in 2018 was like trust god like you really i really have no idea of what is possible and so when I look at my life and I go, all these things I want are impossible. It's not possible for Josh to talk. It's not possible for me to do music when mm -hmm. I have three special needs kids. And like, here I am proving all of those, you know, previous thoughts wrong. Or I should say God's proving all of it wrong. Yeah. Like you just never know what's possible for your life. And to yeah, for me, it was, it was trust God. And like, so as I, as I look at trials that come up now, it's like, this seems really hard, but wait, there's probably more that's possible that I don't realize yet. Mm -hmm. that could come from this. Yeah. There's always, always lessons in whatever it is that we're, we're, we're going through. Yeah. Um, that sounds like you had a, a, such a trying time where it would have been so easy for you just to give up and and to go back to that pediatrician do you still see that person uh i think i see her occasionally it's what's amazing is like they just don't know they and they just we see a developmental pediatrician for josh mm -hmm. like my kids don't usually need sick care visits they need med visits and yeah. like so anyways because that that the just of just for you to have the the audacity to say he has autism so let's not try yeah. that 
kind of grinding my gears a little bit. Oh yeah. Ma'am, yep. what do you what does that even mean? That means you don't you don't think my son deserves to to this isn't normal. And how dare I understand doctors, right? They they do the best that they can with what they have sometimes. Well and well, and I've seen it with schools and I've seen it mm. all over the place where it's like we don't have the resources to help him. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that not just with Joshua, but with my other son as well. With yeah. his, He has some big behavior <laughs> issues. And it's like, we just don't have the resources. And it just depends on like where you're at. In, mm-hmm. I mean, we're in, we're in the US, but like, frankly, Utah has some of the worst special needs services hands down across the U.S. And we've lived in California and Texas, so I've seen how they compare Mm -hmm. and California is the best. Um, And so it's get it like having better care. Yeah. Do you think you'll stay in Utah? Hmm. Are you home? Like, is that where you live? Will you stay there? Hey, hey, hey. If you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience. I'm really hoping we'll be out of here by this year. Love it. <laughs> we came we came back to finish school. Yeah. And and I had my like so we went to BYU. Mm-hmm. which is a very religious school. But because of that, I was able to complete my, I actually did double major uh, in theater. And um, because of the school's very religious family oriented nature, me having three special needs kids wasn't really an issue. Like my teachers were so kind and willing to work around whatever was going on with me. And I'm a really hard worker. So it was never like a, like a big issue, but I knew that, you know, at other schools, that might be a different story. Mm-hmm. And so I was grateful that, you know, I had understanding, you know, professors around me when things were really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. So let's switch gears. Well, it's not really. A well, say, I was gonna say, can I add one more quick story? That's oh, yeah, go ahead. hilarious. Yeah. So I studied costume design for theater. And one of those things I did was makeup for theater and so we did this one day where it was um disaster day and so we went in on a Saturday and spent like the whole Saturday doing bloody gory makeup so that the EMT students could practice having like a big trauma disaster day and so one of my models canceled so I ended up doing big bloody gory makeup all over myself so mine was I had like been shot in the arm and my artery and so I had blood caking half of my like fake blood caking half of my body and so we went and we did the whole thing and then we came back to clean up and my husband had been calling me and calling me and calling me and calling me because Joshua had jumped off of something and split his head open and my husband who was disabled and was shaking was like collapsing when I finally got home because of the stress and the panic of it all so basically I took Joshua to the ER he got two staples in his head while I was head to toe in fake blood that had to be that had to be interesting when you got hilarious but because you know it's such a family oriented school and I was supposed to be there to help clean up everything yeah I had plenty of people who were like oh my gosh no go take care of your son like don't even worry about it because they were so kind of generous so that that also has to make things a lot easier um when you when you have children, period, right? But then you have children that have uh, special needs. Having a community that understands that and they are there to support you and help you navigate through uh, what that journey is going to look like or what you what it may look like. Um, that is, or just compassion, or just exactly just crazy because you just you just never. <laughs> You never no. know. Yep. You, you never know. So, so having that community is very important. I think, I believe. Yeah. So you are a, uh, a self-help coach. How did you start that? What, what, what encouraged you to help other mommies who are yeah. overwhelmed? Yeah. So uh, I've actually spent 
this because I've always wanted to like be a speaker and use my experiences to help people and I couldn't figure out what that looked like for a really long time yeah like I was like music I love music but it doesn't feel like that's you know like boots on the ground like really like it helps in other ways but it's Mm -hmm. it's less about like overwhelm and burnout and like the actual tools to relieve those things yeah um and so I was like how do I use everything that I have been through to help you know not just women who are special needs moms but but mom motherhood's overwhelming Mm -hmm. like just in general it's so hard and so I went through and just like dug through everything that I had been through and learned and like what act because that's what I get asked how did you get through all this how did you survive (laughs) this how do you like still have a smile on your face and like how do you still have energy and like how are you doing so much and it's how and so I was asking myself those questions because I was like maybe I should actually figure out the answer to this and so I did and so I created my uh shine self-care program um and it includes like like the very very foundation of all of it is self-worth because if you don't believe that you are worth caring for then you're not going to be able to do any of those things that are going to light you up and give you energy and help you be a better human Mm. to other people around you like when you take care of yourself you become better able to care for your kids and your spouse and the people around you and when you're burnt out you're not in a position to help other people and so it's like how do we climb out of burnout how do we deal with overwhelm especially when it's like everything's coming at you all at once like that happens a lot to at least in my experience in motherhood where it's like the kids are all screaming and the dishes are yelling at me to get done and like this this has to happen like everything and you're just like how do I deal with that and so I like I have steps for that um and it's like you know you have to stop and take a breath because you first have to recognize like what's you have to recognize you're in burnout before you can or or overwhelm you have to recognize that you are not okay before you can start doing something about it. And you have to take some breaths because you've got to calm yourself down. Because mm-hmm. if your mind is just going a bajillion miles an hour, then you're not going to be able to think clearly to get through it. So the first, so the second, first is recognizing it. And the second is taking a deep breath. And then the third, um, I like to put gratitude in there. Yeah. Because if you are just in the middle of that pity party, which we all, I feel like we all do that where it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. the world's crushing me. I <laughs> feel so me. out of control. Yes. Yeah. Yep. For me, like I look back on those times in my life where I'm like, Oh, trust God. Cause something good. Like, and so like, I look at Joshua and it's like, part of my overwhelm is that he's talking at me. He's literally, you know, an inch from my face yelling at me because he right now he's obsessed with DVDs even though we have the ability to stream every DVD he wants to get, he wants the physical DVDs, but he doesn't know how to care for them. So he's scratching them all up and then ruining them. Oh. And then they skip. <laughs> he really He'll be like in my face, like fix that. Fix my DVD. <laughs> I just broke into shreds and well scratched up really. But, and, and so it's like remembering that I'm grateful that he has a voice. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that he knows how to communicate what's bothering him Yeah. instead of before where it would just be like a big explosive meltdown and I'd have to kind of figure out. So I'd like finding something to be grateful for in the situation. Mm. I'm grateful my kids know how to communicate what is bothering them even as it's driving me insane. <laughs> I am grateful that the sun is out. I'm grateful we have a roof. I'm grateful I'm not cold right now. I don't know, something like find some way to like, because that's that's going to help you. Like the breathing helps calm you down. And then the gratitude kind of helps bring you up from mm-hmm. wherever low energy kind of place you're in. Like the gratitude helps bring you up. And then you look and once you've done the breathing and the gratitude, then you can go, okay, that has to be taken care of that has to be taken care of that 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 and you can sort of make a mental list and you can be like dishes are not important right now they can wait that's not important oh the kid who cut his hand open that's the most important let's go do that um but then also the self-check so i guess i should do that first so so recognition recognizing take a deep breath gratitude then you do the self-check where am i at 
Am I overreacting to the situation because I haven't cared for myself? And then step five is the plan. It's like, here's gotcha. the things that you're taking care of. What's actually the most important? Like, is it the baby screaming? Is it the kid with a hand cut? Is it that I need to pee? <laughs> like, what's yeah. actually the most important? And then go do the things. Yeah. So those are my, like, five steps to combat overwhelm because that happens a lot as mothers. Yeah. I feel like there's so many competing, like, things coming at you that you just have to be responsible for and take care of everything. And for a lot of us, that's, like, our brain shuts down. Yeah, or we end up exploding. We end up absolutely exploding. Yeah. And um, one of my favorite sayings is uh, like, you need to heal your wounds or heal your trauma so you don't bleed on other people. And yeah. if, you're, if we don't, if we don't address what's going on inside of us, that spills out, and that's going to spill out to our orbit. And then we wonder why things aren't going the way we want them to go or we like them to go is because we're not taking care of that center first. Yeah. 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 Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So how can we support you? Um, you can go check out my website. It's caroleegarrison.com. I'm also Carolee Garrison on Facebook and uh, Instagram and tic- all the places, TikTok and all the things. I'm mostly on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> The other ones sort of like I post to them, but I don't really look at them. Um, but everything's on my website. All the links to all the things are on my website. You can find all the links to the music. You can find all the links to self-care coaching and of course the podcast. So I will put a little snippet. I love my podcast. It's called Seeking Sunshine. And I get to talk to people and hear their stories about how they've been overcome, how they've been able to overcome really hard things. And so that one's really fun. It comes out every week. Love that. Love that. What day does it drop? Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Oh my gosh. We have so much in common. (laughs) (laughs) I too have a podcast where I interview people and how they've overcome obstacles. And it's so important. It is very beneficial because it's like people need to be able to share their stories. Like it's so healing to be able to share your story, but then it's also like really beneficial to the audience to be able to hear from different people and different perspectives. Cause like we tend, especially like as moms, especially needs mom, like we tend to get really stuck in our own little bubble, mm-hmm. but the more that we can hear from other people and connect to people who are different from ourselves, like the more love and compassion that we have for them and it's like this there's this thing that said it's like you can't hear somebody's story without loving them like without start like and that's just so true like when you really get to hear the things that people have been through like and and then we also get to learn like what did you learn from your trials how did you get through it Mm -hmm. and 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 you know we learn about your journey and and we I ultimately started this podcast so I could collect stories, systems, and strategies to help other people um, not only, you know, share their stories, but let our listeners hear their stories, you know, and it it doesn't matter when I do it. Um, The matter is, the the fact of the matter is when I put it out there, it's there for them to get whenever whenever they need it. Um, You know, and really listening to perspective is a great way to have a greater human experience and what better way to do that than to interview than to talk than to have the conversation connect and and that that connection building that relationship and like like I'm like there's I have guests that I talk to like on a regular basis just and and then we who I've met through the Facebook um thing that I, you know, that I met you through. Yeah. You know, you build those connections, like you said. Um, you can't what what do you said? You can't know someone's story without loving them. And I absolutely enjoy interviewing and getting yeah. to hear people's stories. So well, but- and then through through podcasting, like you when you tell your story, like you're allowing an infinite an infinite number of people to connect with you throughout the rest of forever like how many people like are going back to listen to old episodes and they feel such a connection because podcasting has that ability to just unite people Mm. yep and just be there 
It's just there. I, I love it. I really, really do enjoy it. So uh, Seeking Sunshine is your podcast. Are you on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, yep, all, all the things? Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I'll make sure I'll throw that um, in the show notes as well. Thanks. Of course, of course, of course. Um, I am going to let you go, but before I let you go, I have one final question for you. What... Mm, I'll keep it simple. What does resilience mean to you? Resilience is bouncing back, which means that you first are in that place of like despair and hopelessness and depression. Like it, like resilience doesn't mean you're never there. It means that you're there. And then you recognize even while you're in that place that you don't have to stay there. Mm. that there is more that that there's a future that is bright and beautiful and amazing and you don't have to stay in this place and so it's not just like oh okay I'm out of the place now like I just decided to get it It doesn't usually work like that like usually it takes some as Brene Brown says rumbling with what's going on like you Mm -hmm. have to like figure some stuff out about yourself and sometimes it means sitting in that for a little while but then coming out of it and it's the the coming out of it that is so important that is so beautiful and so shareable and inspiring it's like it's not that you've never been there it's that you've been there and then you were able to come out and you were mm-hmm. able to be resilient <laughs> absolutely absolutely that's literally resilience in action right I just want to take a moment before we cut out um, to just acknowledge you and acknowledge the the dedication, the commitment that you have not only to yourself, but to your family, to God. And I want you to know that your story matters. And regardless of what anyone else has to say, you're doing a phenomenal job. And I just want to let you know that you're, you're seen, um, you're heard, and you're loved. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.